I want to try my best to feel way less obligated to put someone else's need before mine. And that is like the biggest regret. You know, I'm actually saying this out loud for the first time and it hurts to admit it, but it's the truth. Not only did I waste my time, but I completely robbed myself from the time that I will never, ever get back. And guess whose fault it was? Mine. I did this to myself. You're listening to Enemy Within You, a podcast that exposes the subtle ways we work against ourselves. My name is Luis Vasquez, and I'm here to help you combat your negative patterns by sharing stories, ancient wisdom, and good old common sense. So by all means, go get a cup of coffee ready, and let's talk about life. I don't have any regrets. I don't regret anything in life because everything happens for a reason. I regret nothing because everything teaches us something. I have no regrets because if I wouldn't have made this bad decision, then I would have never learned this big lesson in life. Have you heard any of that before? Actually, are you someone who says those kind of things? We've all failed in life before. The question is, should we be regretful of our mistakes and failures in life? Or should we have no regrets at all? What do you think? In today's episode, I'm planning to rip apart this idea of having no regrets. Now, I'll give you a forewarning and let you know that I have a very unpopular opinion. And when I express this opinion, people get really, really mad. But nevertheless, I've yet to hear anyone present a solid argument that will convince me that having no regrets in life is an idea worth adopting. Okay, so why create an episode about this? Personally, I believe that this idea of having no regrets in life is a lie people tell themselves to cope with the misfortune they've caused for themselves or even sometimes misfortune they've caused for others. Now listen, if you believe in having no regrets, then this episode is about to get you really mad, you're about to feel really uncomfortable, and you might even want to fight me. (laughs) And that's okay, because I'm convinced that if you keep on listening you'll find that I'll point out some obvious holes in this having no regrets ideology. I'm also convinced that if you continue on with having no regrets in life, that you'll miss out on embodying a very important quality, which is a healthy level of humility. You see, the idea of having no regrets in life is egotistical. Because by having no regrets, what you're pretty much saying is that you simply can't fathom that any of your imperfect decisions have brought nothing good. Your pride won't allow you to accept that you've wasted opportunities, time, or energy. You believe that you in all of your might and magic can turn anything that you've wasted into something of value. Your ego in this matter will work against you and weigh you down. Your pride 
will be the enemy within you that keeps you away from soaking in the deeper insight of past misfortunes caused by no one other than yourself. Yep, you heard me right. Go ahead, get mad about it. My words sound like fighting words, don't they? So, in this episode, I'm going to dig into some common things people say to support their pride and having no regrets. And I'm going to rip it apart. I'm going to decipher it. I'm going to expose the faulty logic in this ideology. But first, let me prove to you that, in fact, whether you admit it or not, you do have regrets. Here's how just about every dictionary defines the word regret. Regret is the emotion of wishing one had made a different decision in the past because the consequences of the decision were unfavorable. Regret is related to a perceived opportunity. Did you get that? This means that if you've ever thought, felt, or said something like, man, I wish I would have, fill in the blank. This means you've had a regret. And let's face it, we all have said those words either out loud or quietly within our minds. You see, regret is an emotion, not an action. I'll repeat that for you. Regret is an emotion, not an action. Yet, people avoid admitting they have regrets as if it were some kind of plague, as if having regret will do some kind of damage to them. Now listen, if this is you, tell me this. What are you protecting? Your feelings? People in your life? No. Let me tell you what you're protecting. You're protecting your self-image, your ego, your pride. Like I said before, your ego doesn't want you to believe that you've wasted any kind of time, energy, or an opportunity in life. Your pride doesn't want to believe that you'll never get that one person back, that one dope job again that once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for things you know would have worked in your favor over time. Dang. It's no wonder it's tough for people to admit having regrets in life. You see, what you're really avoiding is the feeling of loss. But the pain of loss is part of life. There's no way around it. And believe me, Saying that you have no regrets won't change that fact about life. You're lying to yourself if you're in denial about having regrets. And I hope you don't see yourself as a liar or someone who is in denial. It's time to start being honest with yourself about the regret you have in life. So let me help you put your ego in check so you can embrace a part of life that is ultimately something that pays dividends even if it masks itself with a feeling you don't like. The way I've chosen to do this is by dismantling the faulty reasoning you've embraced at some point in your life. I'm going to dismantle the three most common reasons people who claim to have no regrets hide behind. Let's start with the most common reasoning I've heard from way too many people, which is, I have no regrets because there is a lesson in every experience. Is this something you say or believe? Let me ask you something. 
What does learning a life lesson have to do with not having regrets? Are you saying that if I regret something, then I can't learn a life lesson from whatever I've regretted? That doesn't seem right at all. Here's what does seem right. Some of life's greatest lessons are from the things we end up regretting. The reality is that if you let them, your regrets can become some of your greatest teachers and guides in life. I'm talking about recognizing a past shortcoming and making sure you level up for the next time, if there is a next time. Side note, yes, you only get one chance in life for some things, but I'll leave that for another episode. You see, if you recognize a regret for what it truly is, then you'll not only learn life lessons, but you'll be able to teach them effectively too. Now, you might be saying to yourself, what? What do you mean? How is this so? Remember, regret is an emotion, not an action. Isn't it funny how you can hear the same advice, the same sentence, the same message from so many people, but then there's that one person who says it in a way that sticks with you? Why do you think that is? Usually, It's because that person has either thought about it enough to speak about it with some kind of deeper understanding or even authority, or they've learned some things through experiences and they've tied some deeper emotions to their learnings. Heck, maybe you've learned some things the hard way, and maybe you've given advice regarding a path you've already taken. Maybe you've warned the people you love to not make the same bad decisions you once made. Do you really want to separate the emotion of regret from your advice? If you do, I reckon that you'll take away from the excellent advice you could possibly give. This doesn't mean it won't be effective, but it for sure wouldn't be whole. It wouldn't be complete. Think about some of the soundest advice you've received from people who've walked in your shoes. I'd say that a lot of what made the advice so convincing was the emotion and feeling transmitted when they gave you that advice. Isn't that part of what makes a great public speaker effective? Isn't that what makes the message of a powerful movie scene so memorable? The emotion and feeling you feel through the message conveyed, usually through the incredible acting actors and actresses can perform. But here's the thing, in the case of feeling regret, there's no acting. You can only imagine how much more powerful it can be. So listen, do us all a favor and start owning up to your regrets. Otherwise, you'll deprive yourself of the natural emotion attached to wisdom a negative life experience could lead you to. And well, in depriving yourself of that, you also be depriving your words when it's time for you to share and give advice to someone you love. The emotion of regret you transmit in your wise words might be just the thing That will change someone's life, someone's direction, someone's thought pattern. Where to start? Of course, there are many regrets to talk about, but each one of these taught us a lesson at one point or another. Um, When I graduated high school, my father basically forced me to finish my bachelor degree in the U.S. And at that moment, being only 17 years old, I thought that this was unfair. Like, why is he doing that to me? Does he hate me or what? 
he knew what was best for me. But at that time, I was just thinking, I don't want to be separated from my friends. But that was not an option. So I did my bachelor's degree in the U.S. in Milwaukee. And I was only 17 years old, did not know anything. All I knew is that I wanted to finish college and go back home as soon as possible. I was focused and I dedicated my weekends to studying and my goal was just to finish. So after six years in the U.S., I graduated with a design and visual communication major. I went back home and started working in a small design studio and the pay wasn't enough and hours and effort was more. I would work from like 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. with no over hours uh, or any extra payment. It was just the salary and that was it. And I spent two years at that job and I'm still at that job. Recently, I realized that I was not supposed to just dedicate six years of my life in a different country just for one goal, which is to get back to my family. The biggest regret that I did not get the best out of my college experience I did not travel a lot or enjoy how young and full of energy I was. I mean, I had some fun, but it wasn't, it was still fun with rules. It was still fun with being extra careful. But now with having a full-time job, getting older, I started to feel that I wish if I dedicated more time to myself, enjoyed my life, went crazy and even like did something illegal, but nothing. I did not do anything. I was always on the right track, straight A's, honor student, GPA 3.9, and my family were very proud of me. But now I realized that even if all that was for the sake of getting a decent job and building a future, it still wasn't enough. There is still this teenage girl right now inside of me that still wants to enjoy and have fun because she missed out on a lot. Now, when you get older, you just feel this pressure that you're behind and it's too late for you to have fun. And now it's the time for you to work harder and gain more money and more experience in order to build a future for yourself. So I just stopped thinking about having fun and spent the last two years working hard in my job just to get promoted or get a raise or anything. But I'm not seeing it. So I just realized that I just missed out on a lot and I wasted my time. So I am hoping that starting from this year, I'm not going to say new year, new me. Definitely not. But I will just try to say that I will try my best to dedicate this year to having more fun and worry less about money and worry less about having the best experience or being the best at everything because no one can be the best at everything and maybe try to not pressure myself to succeed on everything and the most important thing to me is that I want to try my best to feel way less obligated to put someone else's need before mine and that is like the biggest thing for me the biggest regret is that I felt like my college life was supposed to be fun. It was not supposed to be about dedicating everything to just studying and focusing on one thing, one thing. And I'm still doing that right now, again, with my work. So it's a pattern. I don't know where it comes from, but it is. So let's hope this year is different. 
So let's move on to faulty reason number two, which is everything happens for a reason. Now listen, I can create an entire episode on this phrase alone, (laughs) but I won't. People say this to help cope with things outside of their control. Sometimes it's to explain unfortunate events that have happened in their life, which they probably didn't do anything to provoke or cause. Other times, it's to explain and cope with their past shortcomings. For this episode, I'm going to highlight the past shortcomings. So, everything happens for a reason, huh? Yeah, everything does. But probably not for the reason you're claiming. 99% of the time, there isn't a deep hidden spiritual reason for that bad decision you made that led to unfavorable events. Sometimes it's as simple as, well, you were being selfish, or you knew better, but didn't care about the consequences, or maybe you wanted to control something you shouldn't have. And how about this one? Maybe you just thought you could get away with it. You see, there's nothing deep about any of those reasons. Now keep in mind, I'm a spiritual man. I believe in God and spiritual happenings, and because I'm spiritual, I don't believe in hiding behind spirituality or God, for that matter. In the end, we're responsible for our own actions, both good and bad. You know, one of my pet peeves is when people break up with someone and they invoke the name of God and they hide behind God's name. In other words, they'll say something along the lines of, well, I've been praying about it and I feel like God doesn't want me to be with you. And so, for this reason, I I have to break up with you. That's such a cop-out. I think that person would do themselves a favor and the person that they're breaking up with, if they were just man or woman enough, mature enough, adult enough, to own up to the fact that they're no longer happy or to the fact that they just want to break up because they're incompatible with them. But it's much easier to hide behind God or something of higher power instead of owning up and being responsible for that decision. You're not doing yourself a favor or anyone a favor if you've ever done that before. Now, if you get back to the past shortcomings, here's the thing. Most of your past shortcomings have nothing to do with spiritual things or the universe aligning itself for a future event. No, most of the time, our shortcomings are simply because We are flawed human beings. There's nothing supernatural about that. Quite the contrary. It's only natural. Stop hiding behind the supernatural to cope and sometimes even justify your past shortcomings or offenses. You'll take away from a complete lesson life has for you. If you let them, your regrets will highlight certain aspects about you. Usually, they're things about your ways of thinking, your tendencies, and your weaknesses. If you own up to your regrets, you'll be able to see negative patterns in your life. You'll expose common threads that only your regrets can shine light on. If you dismiss your regret and hide behind the reason of, well, everything happens for a reason, what will happen is you will forfeit potential wisdom. You'll cloud your introspection. And you won't be able to see how you work against yourself because things will, well, they'll be fuzzy. 
Because at the end of the day, you know what the common denominator is about all your bad decisions, about all your regrets? Now, I have no clue what regrets you have, but I know this for sure. The common denominator of them all is you. It's your thinking. It's your actions or lack of actions. It's your paradigms. Eliminating regret from your life equation will shortchange you of deep insight or wisdom you could gain. You understand what I'm saying? Regret is not a bad thing. It's a natural emotion we all experience. One of my biggest regrets in life, specifically when dealing with relationships, I'd have to say is ignoring those red flags that tend to pop up throughout the relationships even very early on. And the time I spent waiting on those red flags to just magically disappear. And in my opinion, it doesn't even matter how small or big those red flags are. They're still red flags. I also don't think I'm alone in this, which is why I decided to share my experience in this episode. So I'll tell you a little bit about me. And it's going to sound super cheesy, but I've always been the type of person that wants to see the good in people. Because I do truly believe there is good in everyone and that everyone is always working on seeking a better version of themselves. At least that's what's true for me. And that's what's true for my partner. Or I would hope that that's what's true for my partner so we can do better together, right? Well, it may actually be the reason or one of the reasons why I constantly brushed off issues during my last two serious relationships. I would tell myself that maybe the issues weren't a big deal. Maybe I was just overreacting, especially when my partner's telling me that I'm overreacting. I certainly didn't want to be that crazy girl, right? So what did I do? What I knew how to do best, which was continuing to brush things off. So before I knew it, of course, years had passed and the red flags were always there, never went away. Now, don't get me wrong. Things weren't always about the red flags. I did have some happy times, so good times. But inevitably, they were short-lived. The red flags never went away. So it all became kind of a sick cycle, in my opinion. That same sick cycle that ultimately leads to people settling in relationships. And I'm aware of those relationships because I grew up around those relationships. And I refused to be in that type of relationship. So I had to do something. So I am happy to say that I eventually got the strength to walk away from both relationships, but it was not easy and it took me a long time and it was probably one of the toughest decisions that I've ever had to make. And it seemed impossible that someone could endure so much pain knowing that you made the right decision. But deep down inside, I always knew since the first few red flags appeared and after multiple six cycles later that walking away was always the right decision. Yet still somehow I managed to spend years being stuck because that's what it felt like, just being stuck. All that time, I regret. I am ashamed to say or admit that I used to tell myself constantly up until the other day when someone called me out on it, that the time I spent trying to make my relationships work wasn't a waste of my time because I did learn some lessons. I learned some great lessons, okay? But it was a total cop-out. I 100% regret giving so much time to try to make my relationships work. I think back now and, you know, I'm actually saying this out loud for the first time and it hurts to admit it, but it's the truth. Not only did I waste my time, but I completely robbed myself from the time that I will never, ever get back. And guess whose fault it was? Mine. I did this to myself. The red flags were always there. 
but I chose to stay. I chose to ride that six cycle over and over and over and again. And I regret it 100%. And, you know, looking back now, I didn't realize this then, but I lost myself in the mix of all those emotions and thinking, was I overreacting, et cetera. I secluded myself from friends. I was very irritable around people. Sometimes I couldn't even stand myself. That's how bad it was. I was someone who had put that relationship first and held on for as long as I could for that one magical day for those red flags to just disappear. I was missing out on what made me happy. At that point, I didn't even matter. So looking back now, that's just insane to me to say out loud. I brushed off those same issues for almost 10 years of my life with both of those relationships combined. Not something that I am happy to admit because I don't have the actual answer as to why it took me so long for something that I knew all along, but I was trying to seek a better version of us, of him, of me. So an advice that I give to myself if I could visit the past version of me is to always choose what makes you happy. And this makes me smile because this is actually something that I have written on a sticky note and it's on my dashboard every day on my car to remind me to always make decisions to make me happy. Not anyone else. Always choose your happiness above all. Okay, so now let's dismantle faulty reasoning number three, which is the last reason for the sake of this episode. Another set of words that people use to justify having no regret is, well, if I wouldn't have done that, then I wouldn't have learned this, which is why I don't regret it. All right. Now remember, I forewarned you, but you're going to get really mad at me when I say those words in the context of regret are such a cop out. Believe me, you don't have to make horrible decisions or waste your time and energy just so you can learn how to make great decisions. Now, don't get me wrong. We can, in fact, learn from our worst decisions, but they're certainly not a requirement. Yikes. Are you having a hard time agreeing with me on this one? If you are, well, lucky for you, I have an example for you to grapple with. This is going to change your mind once and for all. Let's say that you're in a relationship with someone who underappreciates you. They don't value you as much as they should. They end up cheating on you multiple times. And, well, eventually you find out. Now, you're infuriated. Heartbroken. And, well, if you have any sense, you plan to call it quits. But then the other person insists on you two working it out. As you talk about it with them, you expect them to be sorry and regretful about cheating on you. But then they tell you, well, honey, I don't believe in regret. I don't regret cheating on you so many times because if I wouldn't have cheated all those times, I'd never learn how to value you. <laughs> now let me ask you, how do you feel about that? What do you think about that logic? Does it make perfect sense or is it faulty? I'll tell you what I believe along with what you're probably thinking. What a cop-out. That sounds like a lot of pride and ego to me. The reality is they could have learned to appreciate and value you without all the cheating. 
There were plenty of ways they could have learned to recognize your worth. Not only that, but how much would you really trust a non-regretful cheater? You see what I mean? Now, on the other hand, if they felt true regret, you'd feel it in their words and in their actions. That same regret would be there as a reminder to not ever want to hurt someone like that again. The painful emotion of regret becomes their accountability. You know what regret under this scenario is called? It's called remorse. You see, remorse is deep regret. And it's a good thing to feel when you've royally messed up in life. You can't be remorseful over something if you don't even believe in having regrets in life. And if you're spiritual, you can't repent without feeling remorse and regret. That's a fundamental cornerstone of just about every major doctrine if you believe in some kind of higher deity. And regardless if you're spiritual, your sorry won't carry the same weight if you're responsible for someone else's misfortune. And we all know those people who have a tough time saying they're sorry or refuse to. They're filled with pride and arrogance. They don't feel the need to say or feel sorry, just like some people don't feel the need to have regrets in life. Hiding behind the reasoning of, well, if I wouldn't have made this bad decision, then I wouldn't have learned this lesson. Sounds like faulty logic now, doesn't it? Like I said before, it's true. We learn from our bad decisions, but it's certainly not a requirement. And you definitely miss out on a complete lesson when you try to eliminate regrets and remorse from your life equation. I'll give you another example, and this one is a personal example. A couple of years ago, I got a couple of DUIs. Some people call them DWIs, and you're probably surprised about that, aren't you? Now, am I proud to say that? Absolutely not. After spending a ton of money on lawyers, attending court dates, spending time in jail and house arrest, along with not being able to drive for a year and a half, you can count on the fact that I've learned my lesson. I won't drink and drive. Do I regret making the decision of drinking and driving? Of course I do. Those decisions have never worked in my best interest or anyone else's for that matter, in any kind of way. Now answer me this. Did I have to get the DUIs so I learned my lesson? No, of course not. I knew I shouldn't have been driving while intoxicated. Now, you might be thinking something like this. Well, you shouldn't have any regrets because now you're wiser because of it. You're never going to drink and drive again, right? But here's the thing. I already knew I shouldn't have been drinking and driving. How did that decision make me any more wiser? It hasn't. Now, on the other hand, maybe I'm more cautious because of the experience, but I certainly didn't learn anything new regarding drinking and driving. But let's just say you insist on me having zero regrets regarding my decisions to drink and drive. You insist on this because you don't believe in having regrets. It's just not a good way to live. It's not a good thing to believe in. No one should have them. Okay. Let me tell you about a lawyer who spoke at one of the required live panels I had to attend as part of my DUI slash DWI classes. The lawyer told a story about when he was young, 
He had just received his law degree, just passed the bar exam. He had everything going for him in life. One day, he went on a date with a gorgeous woman. He assumed that they'd only spent a couple of hours with each other, but turns out that a six o'clock dinner date led to all kinds of spontaneous fun. They bar hopped until bar closed, which was around 2 a.m. At the end of the night, he walked this woman to her car, and they even made out. After the mini makeout session, they agreed to see each other the following week. After the young lady got into her car and drove off, he walked back to his car, super stoked. He couldn't wait to see her again. On his way home, he was on cloud nine, thinking about all kinds of things, like where to take her next, who he wants to introduce her to. Maybe they should go bowling. Maybe they should go roller skating. The options were limitless. All he knew was that he wanted to see her again. He was so excited to have finally met a woman that embodied all the qualities he was looking for in a life partner. It was perfect timing, especially because he was officially a lawyer. In his mind and in his heart, this woman was the one. And as quick as that thought came, he crashed into another car. He panicked, and for a split second he thought, I should probably flee the scene. You see, he knew he was more than drunk. And since he was a new lawyer, this wouldn't be good for him at all. But he reasoned with himself, and he didn't do that. He stayed at the scene. He got out of his car and stumbled to the next car to check if everyone was okay. The passengers in the other car were a married couple driving home from visiting their parents. The man was okay. The woman had some whiplash. And after the cops and ambulance arrived, they put the lawyer into handcuffs. They arrested him and took him to the station. And it was in the interrogation room when he had finally realized what they arrested him for. You see, it turns out that this married couple had their child in the car with them. Their six-year-old daughter died shortly after the ambulance arrived. His life was over. But not as over as the little girl's life. After going to prison and a lot of hard work, he was able to reinstate himself as a lawyer after many, many years. And now he tells his story at live panels to help others think twice about driving under the influence. Now, you're probably like, dang, that guy had you real quick. Yeah, it did. But let me ask you something. Do you think he should regret getting in that car and driving under the influence? Should he adopt the I have no regrets ideology? Should he defend his decision to have no regrets by saying things like, well, there's a lesson in everything, or, well, everything happens for a reason, or how about this one? If the little girl would have never died, I would have never learned to not drink and drive. I don't know about you, but none of that sounds right, does it? Because here's the reality. If he decided to say any of those things, you'd label him as inconsiderate, prideful, and even arrogant. You see, that's what believing and having no regrets is, even on a micro level. It's refusing to believe that you've made a bad decision that overshadows anything good that comes from it afterwards. It's defending your ego and protecting the way you feel about your bad decisions in life. <laughs> 
Oh, and for the record, the lawyer does, in fact, regret driving under the influence. And I'm convinced that if he had not embraced his regret, then he wouldn't feel responsible or the need or the conviction to show up to live panels and warn other people about the repercussions of drinking and driving. When he talked about it, I could feel his remorse. So much so that out of all the DUI classes and sessions, his story is the only one I remember and is the one I'm telling you about. That couldn't happen without regret or remorse. If he would have tried eliminating regret and remorse from his life equation, then his advice wouldn't weigh as heavy. And yes, everything does happen for a reason. But that reason isn't an act of God. No. The reason was because he decided to drive home drunk, as he did many times in the past. And finally, he could have learned to embrace not drinking under the influence, just as I could have in so many other ways. Misfortune wasn't necessary. So I'll finish this episode by asking you this. Do you believe in regrets now? Have you been defending your ego and protecting your feelings by adopting the having no regrets ideology? Have you been learning incomplete lessons in life because you reject regrets and remorse as sound teachers in your life? Remember, regret is an emotion, not an action. It's time to abandon this faulty, no regrets ideology. Stop working against yourself. Open yourself up. Own up to your regrets. Learn deeper, more complete life lessons. And when the time is right and the moment calls for it, you'll give better advice by incorporating your regret into that advice. So listen, next week's episode will be a continuation of this topic, except we won't be talking about regret. And instead, we'll focus on learning and applying life's toughest lessons. If you'd like to contribute to future episodes, or if you have thoughts, questions, or comments about today's episode, let me know on Instagram. You can do so at Luis Creates. Or better yet, sign up to the email list at enemywithinyou.com. So listen, embrace your regrets. Don't shortchange yourself of true introspection. We need that from you. I'll talk to you next week. And thank you for listening to another episode of Enemy Within You. I truly believe that we can all become the best versions of ourselves collectively. God bless, and I'm sending dope vibes your way. Thank you.